Hey everybody, welcome back to the show, episode 47 of the live show over on YouTube. It's a really good one, me and Dan talking about a whole bunch of stuff on this one. Um, the main topic is going to be my Illinois hunt in the late season, uh, but we'll get into a whole bunch of other stuff. You'll like this one. Before we get into this one, i got to tell you about what one of my partners has going on. And that is from Exodus Outdoor Gear. The guys that got a new camera coming out on the 16th of February. Their render is obviously a, a, a really good camera and all that, but it is expensive. You know, it's a, it's a higher-end camera. They finally got a budget cell camera for everybody. Um, it's going to be called the Rival, and the MSRP on it is going to be $179. Uh, but at launch here, you can save $30 at checkout uh, if you use code LAUNCH. And it'll be live on their website February 14th at midnight. So there's some really cool things uh, about this camera. 0.3 second trigger speed, 70 feet detection distance uh, with adjustable sensitivities, 30 second photo transmission, super quick. Adjustable image quality and uploaded photos. Has really good HD imaging. It's compatible with the solar panel SP18 and also $179 and you're getting the five-year warranty still. That's crazy. So it's a good option for you guys that are in the market for a camera. It's going to rival some of the other brands uh, that are a little more uh, affordable. Um, they've taken all the feedback they've gotten over the years and kind of built it into this camera at a uh, budget-friendly price. So. If that's something you guys are interested to, make sure you use that code LAUNCH to save 30%, excuse me, $30 off of each camera while supplies last on February 14th at midnight. Go over to ExodusOutdoorGear.com um, to get all that information to order you some rival cameras. All right, let's get into the episode. Seeing <laughs> if there's anybody in there. <laughs> yeah, there's a few people on. Evening, everybody. Welcome back to another show. Hey, everybody. I did a, I did a new intro video, Dan. I, I should have told you before that uh, started. I just got bored with the other one, made a different one. Saw that. So, hope everybody uh, is doing good tonight. Um, how's it been going, Dan? Going good. I'm soaked. Head to yeah. the toe. It's raining on me the whole time I was hunting tonight. Did you see anything? I saw one deer. It was headed right for me down a transition line, coming out right where I expected uh, a good buck to come from. I couldn't tell mm -hmm. if it was a buck or not, but 100 yards. It's going right at me, and it had to cross through a little point of trees. And when it hit those trees, it never came out my side. So that's 45 minutes before dark. It never came out. So it must have did a 90-degree turn. Hmm. But that's the only thing I saw. And I didn't get a good glimpse of it. I was looking through cattails and through brush, and I just saw uh, pieces What's... of deer coming. Right. Have you been seeing a lot of deer during the late season here, like your guys' final kind of stretch, or has it been pretty uh, slow? It's been spotty and uh, mostly does. I saw one uh, one two-year-old buck. Um, yeah. I just, you know, I just found out um, – that uh, a big 12 pointer I was after got shot uh, like, earlier in the year. Oh, um, by a neighbor across the street from the public. And uh, in the same area, there was a big eight pointer. And uh, um, somebody Wyatt knows shot that one. And I just mm. found out about that. And uh, 
it's getting to the point now where every deer I knew over there is shot, but there's still some big tracks or something over there. <laughs> right. Right. But I've been hopping around trying to find uh, a good buck to go after. Um, that's the thing about after gun season, you know, gun season kills a lot of deer. You don't know what made it, what didn't. Yeah. Unless we're talking. Kills a lot of deer and educates a lot of them too. You know? Yeah. Most of the stuff I'm finding is, uh, really deep and that's it's hard to find because uh generally i have snow at this time of year mm-hmm. like i said i hunted in the rain today um right in January. right but you have snow and you can see tracks and i don't have that luxury right now so i'm trying to guess where they're at kind of and find mud tracks and and with the short right. days being enough scouting time you know, yeah yeah I mean, scouting or snow speeds up that scouting process quite a bit, you know. Yeah. You guys have any snow in the forecast and over the next week or so? Yeah, yesterday and the day before, I think it was supposed to snow and we got rain instead. I was going to say, snowed, it didn't sound like it. further north. Yeah. Um, before we get too much farther into this, if you guys are new to the show, you can ask your questions in the comment section and we'll answer them at the end. We just talk, talk for around an hour and then we'll spend 30 minutes answering questions. Also, I'll put a link to hop on the show live if anybody wants to hop on here live and talk to us live. Just follow the uh, information on the link to get onto the show and just be patient with us whenever you get on here. Because if we're talking about something, you have to wait your turn to get, to hop on. Um, also, give us a like if you like the video. That really helps the YouTube algorithm. And if you want to, hit the subscribe button as well. Um Anyway, we have a uh, news article to talk about, which I, I kind of want to like, we'll, we'll keep things moving tonight because we've got a lot to talk about, really. Um, the news article is actually from uh, Mark Kenyon's Wired to Hunt Instagram page, and he got to talking about um, live stream trail cameras. And I put the link to that post he put up on um, the description of this video or this live stream so you can go down there and watch it if you want to to know what we're talking about later uh but there's a couple trail cameras that came to the market this year um where live streaming is uh, like an option sounds like you can like you get a picture of a a buck you can hit live stream and it goes up live from the camera and you can watch what's going on and you know mark had a lot of concerns about it you guys can watch the video um about the ethics of of that um and how maybe that's starting to push it too far um, and he kind of, at the end of the video was like, he'd like to hear everybody's opinion about that. And, um, I thought we'd just talk about that for our, our news article to, tonight, because it is a kind of an interesting topic. Yeah. But, he made it sound like, uh, um, the way he said it was that like a guy could be, um, sitting in his uh, living room, having a sandwich and he gets a ping on his phone and looks at his phone and sees there's a deer there and he clicks live stream and he can watch this deer and see the direction it's going and see if it's still feeding there and he can uh, get his bow put on his boots and stuff and watch the deer as he's walking out there seeing what it's doing and uh sneak in there and hunt it but i don't know it doesn't sound much different than a cell cam to me yeah the live is just just a you know a little bit right you know, it's kind of just it's just taking it just a little one more step farther or closer to uh to too much or whatever you you want to say um i don't i don't really 
Um, I don't know. I don't like the idea of it, honestly. Like, I think it's kind of weird. I think it's like gives me kind of a sour taste in my mouth. But like, maybe that's contradicting to like using cell cameras too. You know, maybe that's not yeah. any different. I don't know. Or uh, rifles. Yeah. Rifles make it real easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, um, everything gives you an advantage, man. You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it is not something that I'd be interested in using. Yeah. Really, you know, I don't even think it would be that huge of an advantage. I think there might be one time in your life that you can live stream the scene and watch it as you're walking back there. Literally, maybe. Yeah. Like uh, all the advantages of cell cams, people talk about how, how you know, oh my God, they're going to kill bucks for people and all this stuff. I don't, I haven't yet ever killed a buck because of a cell cam and I use it. Yeah. I think, you know, um, I think I, I one time I killed one because of a, a, a trail camera because I had it, I checked it and the buck was under three days in a row and then I went to the next day and shot it. But normally those things just give me an advantage, get me in the area, get me a pattern going, get me figuring things out. They don't really kill the deer for me. I still got to go out there and kill it. And I don't think that live stream is going to help that much, you know, and I don't think they can really outlaw the technology. They can outlaw using it for hunting. Yeah. So if you still have the technology out there and for sale, people are still going to use it. And to me personally, I know me and you probably differ on this, but to me personally, I don't care what you do or what any of our viewers do or anybody else does. I just worry about me and what I feel is ethical. And I don't worry about what other people do. That's up to them. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with egos where people think that somebody's going to be killing bigger bucks than them or something, or it's going to look, make their hunting look lesser than it is or, or something like that. I mean, because otherwise, what do you care what somebody else does really? Yeah, no, those are, I mean, all valid points. And I, it's a, it's just something that's like, man, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's at some point in time though, you have to like kind of cut some stuff off, you know? Um, I don't know if that's it or not. You know, I don't know if that's the line. Um, we, me and you also use cell cameras different than some of these guys that like, like, I don't even, I had my, uh, my app for my cell cameras on my phone. Like I didn't even have notifications on all season. Like I did, I just, I'll, I'd look at them just when I thought about it, you know? Um, That's what I do too. And so they, like, I don't use them as religiously as some people where they're like uh real time. Like I, cause I only have them sent to me once a day and all that. Like I just didn't, I just, I didn't, um, I guess I don't put that much faith into them uh, for my deer hunting success, but there are guys that, you know, run 20 of them and they get every picture right away and probably obsess over that. I don't know. Uh, it's, it kind of turned into the old, you, you, you know, uh, it used to be everybody rotated through stands. Mm -hmm. You know, they look at, they look at me like I'm crazy because I mobile hunt, but and they would have stands. And some guys would have five stands they rotate through. And some people would think they're a better hunter to have because they have 10, or 20 yeah. you yeah, have stands yeah, yeah. through you know and it, it's almost like they turned these trail cameras into you know like the cell cams into rotations you know for for mm -hmm. uh because i'm running into a lot of these young guys now that'll tell me oh yeah i got i got uh 20 cell cams out and um you know i just sit back and i wait for one to work and you know whatever one's got the buck on it that's one i'm going to and it's like oh that just doesn't even seem like hunting anymore but that's right. just me I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I'm yeah. just saying it's like, 
that's not what I do. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I right. want to go deer. I want to figure them out. Not, you know, but to, to, to some degree, I grew up without that technology. So to me, it seems bizarre where these kids grew yeah. up with technology. So they're like, well, I'm just scouting. You, you, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. but really to me, I don't, I don't care what they do. It is, it is kind of annoying to every place you go, you find a cell cam. Yeah. But, to the same degree if you're finding those cameras you're finding spots that other people are picking and whenever i find a big buck it's spots where other people aren't going so those cameras tip me off to where people are right yeah that's true i saw a lot of cell cameras when i was hunting in wisconsin last year <laughs> we don't it's not it's quite really as bad going, it's it going crazy i mean um this year i saw double what i saw last year last year i saw double what i saw the year yeah. before it's, yeah, I I saw cameras when I was hunting by Gary when I was hunting in West. I mean, we we saw a couple while we were scouting around, you know. Um, but what, what I have going for me in Indiana is like the hills. You just don't have good service most places, you know. So you so people can't use them as easily. Um, but I don't know. I think that live stream uh, deal would be good for security. Oh yeah, sure. Um, I just. I don't know. I, it's almost just like another another thing that, um, like you said, I don't know how much more effective it is than uh, than just regular cell cameras. Another thing is it has to like suck up the data and stuff uh, on those on those trail cameras. And man, yeah. I don't. To me, I don't. I don't get enough benefit out of them to be spending that much money on, on them. Drones are probably worse. Yeah, yeah. I think Mark drones, mentioned drones. Over, drones. You can go over cattails in drones mm -hmm. and find a buck in a bed. Yeah. You know exactly where he's at. I mean, that's a little different than having a camera. You have to place that camera in the right position. And then you, you have to have that deer to stand there long enough to know where it's going and know that it's still around or something as you sneak back there or whatever to his point. Where yeah. I guess the drone, if you landed, you don't know if the buck's still there too, but yeah. But they do don't like those drones. <laughs> yeah. They don't like it when you get close to them. They, no. They uh -uh. Yeah. I, I always, I have a drone, uh, for, for videos and mm -hmm. I, I always have like some does or something will come out in the backyard and I'll just fly over them for a cool, like a cool shot, you know? Um, if you're any good with that thing, send me around and we should, uh, fly it over to cattails and look and see if there's any deer in those beds. I know where the beds are. It's just that I would love to just see it. You know what I mean? But, yeah. uh, uh, I can't fly one. My wife bought me one. It's hanging on the wall somewhere. So no, it's gone. She probably gave it to one of the kids. I could. It, yeah. I just every time I'd start running, I just crash it into something. I just. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've ever uh, crashed my. I've hit a limb and stuff, and like it knocked it crazy, but it didn't end up crashing. It corrected itself. Um, Lou has a real nice one. Uh, he has a real nice drone. They bought it. He bought it for something, and. Um, it's a real nice one. Oh, there's lose on tonight. No. Uh, I just that, saw him. that could be some good technology. I mean, there's there's some technology that would work for actually enhancing your hunting. You could mount a, a 40 cal handgun or something to it, and <laughs> that would be uh, a rifle on a drone. That would be the ultimate deer kill. I think people device. be okay with a rifle on a drone. Just don't put a crossbow on it. <laughs> <laughs> right, Lou. That's right. No crossbows. Oh, just kidding. I don't, I don't have a problem with. Speaking of which, did you see us in uh, crossbow magazine? Oh yeah, I did. I, I saw it. You sent it to me. Yeah. They talked about the battle of the bows. 
Yeah, they had a whole spread on us. Yep. That's pretty cool. Todd, uh, the editor of of the magazine, or I think the pretty much the owner of the magazine was there. He was the crossbow guy. So if you guys are subscribed to that, you get to see that. I think Josh is in there somewhere, isn't it? There I am. Uh, Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, speaking of crossbows, too, Gary, he we put a good video uh, on the show on the on the Hunting Beast YouTube channel to this morning. Gary killed a nice buck up with a muzzleloader in Illinois, and that that's on the YouTube channel. If you guys haven't seen that yet, head over there. It's the Hunting Beast YouTube channel is in the description. So um, it was cool. It was pretty uh, an emotional hunt because his dad just passed away, uh, whatever, a few weeks ago, and you know how that is. But uh, it was a good video, um, and that kind of brings me to my my next uh, our next topic we were going to talk about. And we talked last time Dan was on a couple shows ago about um, like having to kick people off of our channels uh, for just you know misbehaving and and kind of stepping out or, out of line. Like them, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, we we wanted to talk about that because there's like a big misconception on what we meant by that. Um, but we don't kick people out of our channels for disagreeing with us. Um, the I've only ever had to get rid of one person on this channel, and it was because they were making fun of people that called in. They call them stupid. They call them fat. Anything they could, they'd call them that. You know. Um, and I gave the guy a couple of chances, monitored his comments. I mean, you can monitor specific people on your channel. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. And it just, every time he came in, it seemed like the only thing he wanted to do was downgrade the experience of the user. Basically. Yeah. Yep. And I got rid of him. Um, so that's the type of stuff we get rid of. With, same with me. I mean, I, I get accused of getting rid of people for for other reasons than what they really are. But you got yeah. rules, and when people cross lines, you, you know, I usually give them a warning, you know, and yeah, I think some people have this mentality that that's okay to just uh, uh, insult people constantly, but it's not. No, not for me, it's not. I mean, you yeah. can't call and, people and, names and treat them horribly. You can disagree with people. You can, have, you know, sure. As a matter well, of fact, heard... in dialogue or conversation, we just had a disagreement. I I think that those cameras are fine. You think that they probably should go. Yeah, um, but we can get along. We can have that conversation. Yeah, you know, okay. who cares? You know, too, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is like, God, man. We at the end of the day, we're just freaking talking about deer hunting. We're not talking about God and religion and like things that people should really care about or our families or you know. It's not like it's just like settle down a little bit, guys. We don't need to make fun of each other and call each other stupid and you know like get so offended by that I don't like whisker biscuits or you know. It's like calm down you know uh, but we would never i would never we either one of us would ever get rid of someone because of an opinion you have in deer hunting world that's different than ours like we've never i don't think we've ever got rid of anybody for that um now obviously your channel is much bigger than this one so you have you know you have more of that that you're you got to deal with and then I, usually, I don't have to get rid of very many people on the youtube channel i do every now and then yeah um and usually um when i get rid of somebody on my my youtube channel it is somebody that is really over the line. They're yeah. just obnoxious. I mean, they're yeah. just attacking me, you know? Yeah. Um, just out of hate. Right. Right. 
Um, I've had to delete a couple comments, but mostly because they're real vulgar, like real vulgar. I mean, bad. Mm -hmm. That's that's the only thing. Um, Because I am conscious we do have some kids that watch, so I don't want them seeing certain things. Um, But I mean, they're vulgar enough where it made me go like, oh, you know. (laughs) Um, Oh, Mike brought up a good point too. There, there's this is kind of in the same vein. Um, he want to talk about the the hacks that we get on like comments where people win stuff, you know, um, mm-hmm. from the hunting beast. I don't have it as yeah, much I've, on this I've channel. Brought this up a lot, yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, people aren't hearing it. If I give away a prize, um, I'm going to do it in a way that it's um, promoting my page. Or if you're doing it, it's going to promote your page. So you're going to see yeah. it on the show, right? And it's going to be us telling you that you what you got to do. And you're not going to get it just because we randomly give it to people who make a comment. And if you if we did give you a prize, if you were the winner, we'd contact you direct and you'd never pay a thing. I would never give a prize and then charge you for shipping. I'd pay shipping out of my own pocket. Always. Right. I would never charge you anything because you won something. If you win it, you win it. So um, don't fall for that stuff. I mean, I'm going to contact you directly. It's going to be me or it's going to be Josh. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you look around, those comments will be under almost everybody's comment. Yeah, it won't yeah. be just yours. So if, yeah, if you yeah. see that under yours, you look around, you'll see them under others. And you'll notice too, that those comments are always from phone numbers. I'm not contacting you from a phone number. I wouldn't put my phone number on there. Right. So those phone numbers are an easy way for them to put that up real quick and do that. And what we do is we ban that phone number as soon as we see that, but they just use another one and they come back up, you know, I'll block them. By the time I get done going through the page and blocking all the um, spammers trying to give prizes, they've already got a new number and they're up there redoing it. So um, you just have to be careful. Um, We would never ask personal information and we would never charge you shipping or charge you to send you something yeah yeah exactly um so just watch out for that you'll know if you want something you'll know it's real um essentially if it seems like it's too good to be true or odd it probably isn't um it's probably something you should just ignore Uh, also if you see those things like report them like you can report those comments and those people and it'll it'll uh, youtube will delete them off there so if you if you see that just go ahead and delete them i mean that that'd be the most helpful thing for us. Cause we, we hate them just as much as you guys do. I mean, it's, it's something that, I mean, I feel bad for people that fall for it, you know, based on it being our face on there. Um, man, Elizabeth, uh, you need to quit giving us donations. <laughs> we appreciate it. But, uh, um, she says, uh, cell cameras are so overrated. Thanks for all the wonderful content. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thanks Elizabeth. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, they kind of are. I mean, they're, they're great tools and like, I love them in the fact that like, I don't have to drive out there and, um, you know, waste my time checking SD cards, but like, I've never really killed a deer based on a cell camera. We were just talking, I was talking to a buddy, Cody, that did the, um, editing for, or the videoing for Gary's, uh, video we put up and he was, we got to talk about trail cameras and, you know, he's a young guy that doesn't have a lot of money. And he was asking me like, would you rather have four regular SD card cameras or one cell camera? I was like, I probably would just take the four regular card cameras around here. Um, and he's like, yeah, because I just never, 
I never feel like they work like I want them, the cell cameras. Like he's like, I killed a buck one last year or two years ago, whenever it was. And I had a cell camera in that area. I never got that picture of that buck at all. And I just happened to stumble in there and found his track or whatever and ended up killing him. But he's never was once on my cell camera. I'm like, yeah, um, more times than not, they figure out a way to elude those things. Yeah, they kind of keep people from learning, too. You start depending yeah. on the cell cams and you're just putting them in spots. It's kind of like the rotating through tree stands things. You're not mobile. You're not moving around. You're not learning. You're just doing the same thing repetitively over and over again, just waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. I think uh, actually hunting for deer and trying to figure out the woods and figure out the landscape and how they travel through it and actually hunting the deer down is yep. a way better way of going about it. And I think I think when you, there's probably, you know, you said that, you know, cell cams don't really make you that much of a better hunter or kind of overrated, kind of like what Elizabeth said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's true to a point. I think they might make somebody a better hunter when they're a beginner. Mm-hmm. In but what I manner? You, I, I think if you don't know what you're doing, the cell cam might tell you when there's a deer coming by all the time. Yeah. You, you know, and you can get into an area that the deer is and hunt it. But if you know how to read the land, once you start getting good at understanding how deer work and stuff, I think you do way better hunting them down. But I do think, you know, at the beginning, if you're having a little more luck with that cell cam, if you get addicted to that and you don't get away from it, it's probably going to not help you in the long run. That's what yep. I'm saying. And deer, 100% will like, especially if you're not very good at putting them out, like, um, uh, Gary's great at hiding trail cameras. Like he puts them in pockets and places where deer can't see him, puts them up high. He's, he builds like a, he has a, a public land bracket and uh, a good mm-hmm. tip that I'll, I'll admit, I think I came up with this idea, but I could be wrong. Uh, instead of using the strap, we use zip ties. Um, so that there's not a big, great, big giant strap hanging, uh, you know, around the camera. Um, and yeah, getting them things off the ground and kind of hidden, you know, you don't want them like four feet off the ground on a tree, right, right on the trail where deer are just going to sit there and like, what the heck is that thing? You know, and they're going to smell it. Like if they, when they walk by it, they're, they're going to end up smelling it. And I think, I think they ended up kind of getting leery of them just because of probably this, they smell like a human or whatever they smell like, you know? Um, yeah. I've noticed that. too that, uh, um, cameras don't always pick the deer up. You can have a deer oh, yeah. walk and it doesn't get them. Mm-hmm. I've been in, in stand on, on Dave's land this year, and I've seen deer walk right past a cell camera. I mean, right in front of, right in the lane. You mm-hmm. get no picture. You're thinking it's not working, but then the next day you get a picture. You know, yeah. What? So they don't always capture for whatever reason. Right, 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 right. Um, all right, let's quit talking about trail cameras or live streaming uh, yeah whatever <laughs> maybe we can maybe we can uh maybe we'll get one of these live streaming trail cameras and dan can like put it on a tree and we can all just sit here and watch him hunt while he's um while he's deer hunting and just pop it up on the screen that'd be a pretty uh, boring show <laughs> we'd have to have like this yeah we'd have to have lou on behind me <laughs> <What? laughs> <laughs> you, you drop your bow out of the tree or something that'd be funny We'll have, we'd have Lou on to uh, commentate it. That'd make it better. We're going to have there Lou on the podcast sometime. I haven't told him that, but I want to get Lou on again and uh, just to have a full podcast with Lou. I think people would love that. Um, let's talk about Illinois late season now. Uh, 
you good with that? Or you got anything else yeah. to say about any of that stuff? Um, so I went to Illinois there in early January and put a series of three videos up. Um, you can go over to the hunting beast and watch those two. And we're just going to go, probably just go through that hunt with Dan. I mean, Dan, haven't really talked about it at all. Um, yeah, I didn't watch your videos yet. Okay. So we'll, this will all be, be fresh. No, that's, that's I've been fine. hunting I, hard. You know? I'll do, I get it. I didn't, I haven't got through all the Michigan stuff either. I just, mm-hmm. by the time I, at night, you know, my, my wife, last thing she wants to watch is a hunting video, you know? So, um, I, we watch something else at night and I spend time with her instead of watching that stuff. Um, anyway, so I was planning on going to Illinois, uh, you know, months ago and i mentioned i must have mentioned it on this show and patrick rose uh contacted me you guys if you guys have watched this show a lot you've seen patrick he's he's called in a few times and he messaged me when he heard i was going to illinois he's like hey man i, I went to illinois for the first time this year in november and he's like, i want to go back he didn't kill one in november he's like i i'd i'd meet you there and and we could hunt some of the areas that i'm familiar with at least you know he hunted them for a few days at least to where we weren't completely starting from scratch. Um, obviously November is much different than January, but, uh, so I ended up meeting Patrick and Sawyer. Um, I can't, Sawyer's last name is, is leaving my mind right now, but, um, Sawyer was a young, young man. Uh, he's like 21 years old and, uh, works for Patrick, Patrick's lawn mowing company. Anyway, um, we met, we met there and, uh, our plan was kind of the first evening to spread out and just kind of find deer, essentially. And I, um... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I went to one area of this uh, piece of public in Illinois and and Patrick and Sawyer went to another one. Um, I had a spot picked out on a map where there were some crop fields that was buttoned up to the, on the public is public crop fields. And there was like a nice woods and stuff. And um, when I drove by it, there was beans in the field, like on the, in the, by the road, there were some beans in. So I was kind of, I started there essentially. Um, And I was walking, I was walking the edge of that bean field and I kind of looked over my left shoulder and there was just a doe just laying in the, uh, right in the edge of the woods, just watching me. And I walked right by her. Like I never stopped to like scare her. But I walked probably 25 yards from her, just walked right by her. And she just sat there and watched me go by. And I was like, geez. Uh, so I thought, well, a deer are like that. I shouldn't have a problem killing one. But uh, <laughs> so that got, that got me excited. I'm like, okay, there's a deer here. Usually late season, like that's not the only deer in that woods. You know, there's probably a pile of them in there. Um, 
so that evening, uh, that was like a middle of the day, uh, that evening I went into that woods and Patrick and Sawyer went into another section and I, uh, I got in there and I just didn't, I'm like, there's no sign in here. You know, I saw some, a couple decent tracks, um, in the field, but it was kind of got, kind of became clear to me that it was night sign. And I, uh, I ended up walking in the woods and it was, it was a wide open woods. Like it, the only thing that was, had cover was the, around the outside edges and the inside of it was just hardwoods. Um, so I'm like, I oh, forget this, you know, and I ended up backing out and I cut a set of tracks that were going from that field with the beans and actually went across the road into a really thick, nasty area. Um, and I went in there and it just was honestly, this sounds weird, but it was like, it was almost too thick. Like I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to shoot. I, w- I mean, it was like 10 foot tall, like shrubby trees that all grown this way. And they could almost look like a deer couldn't get through it, but they were, you know, they were making their way through it. So I ended up killing too much time and it was becoming like an hour before dark. And I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to get in my truck and just drive the roads and, and look for a, a buck, you know, out in the fields. Um, and I ended up going into some CRP fields that had some like green fields that butted up to it. And I just got on top of my truck and was glassing that CRP field. And I saw like 20 deer. Um, there's deer everywhere. They just pop in the CRP fields. Well, that evening I got to, you know, we met up back with, uh, the other two guys, Sawyer and, and Patrick, and they were in a CRP field that butted up to a, a, a winter wheat field. Uh, the winter wheat field was across the road from where they were hunting and same thing. I think they saw a total of 30 between the two of them and they were hunting different areas of the CRP. Uh, and then Patrick saw two shooters, two big, big bucks. Um, so we decided I never saw, I didn't see a shooter that night. I saw what maybe had been a buck, but it, it didn't look like a big buck. Um, just a bunch of does and which I'm sure there was a buck in that CRP field. I was looking at but i did you know they're they weren't making their self rule uh known and uh so that next evening we didn't in the mornings we just kind of drove around and and uh glassed we didn't do much hunting i think i sat twice in the morning of the seven days i was there but um that next evening we went and hunted this the crp field that patrick and sawyer set in that they saw the two big shooter bucks and we just essentially spread out like there was I mean, we were, we were like a thousand yards apart from each other. I mean, we weren't even hunting the same deer, but, um, you know, I was at one end and then Patrick was in the middle of us and Sawyer was down the, down the way a little bit. Um, and I saw again that night, I saw like 15 deer in that CRP field and I saw two, two, two small bucks and then one pretty nice buck, probably like a 120 ish. Um, and I was, I'll be honest with you, like this hunt, I was probably going to hold off because I was in Illinois and I was going to try, try to hold up off for a nice one. Um, so it wasn't quite a shooter, but it was a nice, really nice buck. Um, well, about dark, uh, right before dark, I get a, a text from Patrick that Sawyer killed one of those big bucks that uh, they saw the night before. And um, it was his first archery buck. So that was pretty cool. We ended up getting it out and you can see that on the, the first video. Um, so that was the, the first two days. Um the next day, me and Patrick kind of had all these big plans. Like we were excited about, you know, scouting together and narrowing things down, which it does make a big difference when you have a couple people on a hunt to, to do that. Uh, well, uh, first thing in the morning, Patrick gets a call from his wife. Um, and I guess the day before his dog had, uh, just started acting kind of funny and like 
throwing up a lot of water. And he's like, well, take it to the vet, see what they say, you know. Well, she took his wife took it to the vet and it had like uh, liver cancer real bad, I guess. Uh, and you know, he was, is a family dog and all that stuff. He ended up going home that morning. So Patrick only got, they only got to hunt two days. Um, so then I was on my own the rest of the time, which is fine. That's how, how I prefer it most of the time. Uh, but I was kind of bummed cause I mean, I, it sucks about their dog, but we were, we all got along pretty good and it was a fun couple guys to hunt with. Uh, so that evening I, uh, or that, or that morning we ended up dry. I ended up driving around and we found a little patch of uh corn that was left in one of the fields on public. And I drove, we drove up to it. There's like 15 or 20 deer in this little patch of corn. It's by acre of corn and there's just deer everywhere. And one nice buck. Um, and I'm like, heck yeah. And this was on, this was a Friday. And I was like, I, I want to hunt that tonight because I think this weekend it's a super obvious spot and all these deer were just out there, you know, it was just along the road. And I'm like, I bet someone could go hunt there in the weekend. So that evening uh, or, or that midday, I went and picked out a spot to set in there. And that evening I drove up to the uh, the spot to go hunting. And there's a car parked there and there's a guy with a tree stand and a bow walking across the field. I'm like, gosh, dang it. You know, yeah, I, I didn't watch where he went, but he was he's going to go to the set by that cornfield, you know. Um, I'm like, that's all right. There's I'll go back to those CRP fields. There's deer everywhere in there, you know. Um, I got there. Uh, and there was a, uh, I, I ended up going like into that CRP field farther into it, uh, into this little drainage. Cause I thought maybe if that was big bucks are out there, maybe they're not making their self, uh, they're not showing their self out in the open. Maybe they're down in those drainages in the CRP and, but there was no trees to set in. So I got my ghillie suit on and set on the ground. And as I was walking in, there was a, I didn't put this in the video, but there was a guy with a chair he's he's carrying a like a lawn chair and a crossbow walking down the main trail that was in there now the other oh, guy hunting and i was already out there i kind of waved he, he i saw him like get his binoculars up and he was looking at me and i waved at him you know um and he just put his binoculars down and kept walking and i sat there and i saw another group of does but uh didn't see the buck a buck this that's it and as i was walking out the the it ended up being an older man that was hunting in there and he kept saying, I, I recognize you from somewhere. And I was like, oh, I'm from Indiana. That's all I told him, you know, and he's, I kind of got to thinking, I wonder if he'd watched our show or something. Um, but anyway, uh, he thought I was somebody from town or something. And he was a real nice guy. And he's like, man, you're in the right spot, you know. Uh, and anyways, the next morning I went scouting again and I found another green field. The deer were just hammering these green winter wheat fields. Um, and I found another green field that had a CRP field that butted up to it. I went and scouted that and there was like four or five different big, big tracks. Um, and I, uh, the wind was wrong for that spot though. So I ended up going to a different spot. Uh, you know, I, I, I scouted along the edge of the field, not to bother anything. And then, uh, kind of decided I'm going to come in here the next day. And that, that evening, I went to a spot that Patrick kind of told me that he wanted, he thought it would be good to me for me to go to, um, that he had a lot of luck, uh, during the rut in, there's a bunch of deer in there. And he said that there, uh, there was a bunch of honey locusts that were dropping those pods at that time. And they were just everywhere. And I went in there and they were still everywhere. And there was like poop and, you know, things all over them, honey locusts. Um, so I sat there that evening and I saw two, two bucks, two small bucks. And that's all I saw. 
like a spiker and just a little dink. Um, so that was, that was my, I don't know, fourth hunt or whatever it was. Um, the next day I went and set, uh, in that green field, I scouted where all those buck tracks were. And I was, there's like a, a couple of private little pieces on the backside of it. Um, and it was real nasty and thick around those private spots. Um, and the one there was like, it was on the corner of a road and it was real thick right there along the road. And I kind of had decided that all the deer were coming from the, the road, like oh by the parking lot and they would make their way along the edge of the field in that thicket and then come out into the, the green field at night. And that's exactly what they were doing. Um, but there's a guy that had a dang, he must've been watching Don Higgins or Jeff Sturgis or something because <laughs> he, he had a dang lock on. Like he was in a good spot, but he, he had a lock on there and he had like a big old, like a rope hanging from a tree with a cell camera over the rope. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. So I, I end up like pushing in farther than what that tree stand was. Cause I'm like, man, that looks like uh, something a deer would just avoid, you know? Um, and I just, I got set up there and I kind of had a lot of confidence in it. And the more I sat there and thought about my setup, I'm like, I shouldn't be right here. These deer are going to skirt around me because they're, because I bet they're avoiding that guy. Right. You know, sitting right there. And every single deer I saw that evening went like across a hundred yards from me and then hung a right. And then would walk to my right into the thicket and, and it would go around that tree stand. And it just ever, I think I saw four different bucks do that. Um, I only got like two of them on camera because they would, they would just like, they like go across that little opening I had real quick. And then, you know, you can't get you fumble around with the camera to get them on there fast enough, but that's exactly what they did. And I was just kicking myself because I like, I had thought beforehand that I was going to sit closer to the green field, which I would have, which is where they were coming out at. And I should have just sat there on the field edge. Cause I don't know, you know how it is. You get in your head that you need to be back there in the, in the bedding, but it's like, I was in Illinois and the sign was there, you know, um, it wasn't that far from bedding. I mean, they were kind of sitting pretty close to the, um, the field edge, but anyway, I probably screwed up my one good shot at killing a nice buck by going in there too deep. Maybe, maybe not. But, uh, after that, I, what did I do after that? Uh, oh, I found another green field uh, in a different location. And I, that morning, that next morning, I was going to go out there and, and scout, um, that area on that the second green field. And I had to go through a couple of what looked like public land crop fields, you know, to get back to those green fields. And I was walking through those, uh, crop fields and I came around the corner and there was just, uh, acres of beans in this one, like fresh beans that, uh, didn't get picked and there was beans on them still. And I'm talking about deer tracks everywhere in them um and just i mean so many tracks you couldn't hardly decipher what they were you know uh so i sat there i, I scouted there the rest of the day i didn't even go back i didn't make it to that green field and i uh i ended up finding a really good spot that i thought would um i just you could tell the deer were all coming from here it was a spot where i thought a buck would come out to in a low area um and there was like a uh beans beans crp and then like a real thick woods and i was sitting on the transition of the crp and the in the woods uh the the crp was a real narrow thin strip it wasn't much there for them to lay in and uh that evening i had a 
just a pile of does come in. And that that's what, like was my takeaway from late season is like late season would be easy if you could figure out how to hide from the deer. But like as soon as there was there was a a little yearling that came in real early and it kind of I don't know if it saw me or just was you know how they kind of run around sometimes those little fawns. I don't know if it was doing that or if it saw me, but it kind of ran in and then ran back out. Um and then like it's just a pile of them came through the woods and I could only get like four or five of them on camera, but there was more in the back. Uh, and as soon as there's a big mature doe out front and she got like 15 yards from me and it was like, she just was like, like just started looking around and then just like, boom. Like I just stuck out like a store thumb and she freaking raised all kinds of hell, like just blew 10 times, you know, she was still blowing at me as I was, climbing down that evening like it was just a mess so that hunt kind of got ruined from getting blown at by the that doe um and the last evening i kind of just went went for it i went to one of those crp fields uh that um had a really nice low area it was real thick and nasty and stuff and but it had some trees you can get in i sat there and i jumped like four deer walking in and I didn't see anything that evening and that's, that was my hunt. Sounds like a pretty active place. I mean, it sounds like you're really deer. That, those first few days we saw so many deer. Uh, The only time I I stopped seeing deer is when I got, you know, I, I, I always, I saw deer every six except for that last one. Um, The only time I didn't see, you know, over 10 deer is because I, I was just sitting in an area where you couldn't see more than, you know, 30 yards. Yeah. Um, you seen a lot of bucks for that time of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I found one little... shed. Hmm. Yeah. Fresh were... No, it was from last year. Hmm. Um, and that was, that was the thing. I didn't see any shed bucks, which was good. I was a little bit worried about that coming into it, you know. Um, but it seemed like most of them were holding. And I was in the southern half of Illinois. So, um, but yeah, I, that's honestly um, one of my first, like, uh late season hunts outside of wisconsin i've went up there and hunted uh so it was fun i learned a lot man i learned a lot i think i think i'm gonna go if i you know if i have time next year i'd like to go back there during the rut it's only about three and a half hours away from my house so it's not too too far um i think you could do really good in the rut over there just there's a lot of really good rut like pinches and stuff in those crp fields and um uh, pressure, like there was actually more people there than I suspected there would be. There was a lot of bird hunters, a lot of duck hunters. And we did see a handful of guys out there deer hunting too, still. So I, I thought it'd be a ghost town, which I mean, I didn't run into a whole bunch of people, but it wasn't, it wasn't a ghost town. There was people still hunting. Um, but it was fun. It was fun because I, you know, we, we and our group did get a deer and all that stuff. And, sitting there he saw deer every night so it was um it was a good time but man i was getting frustrated because i i couldn't not get picked out whenever i was sitting there you got any tips on how not to get seen in the tree stand <laughs> yeah it's not easy oh in the day oh geez i was up um the stand was in a dead tree all by itself and it was uh 10 feet up you know it's you got to do what you got to do i was just uh i just try to get into a spot where i can shoot them before they see me and 
generally if you're you can be in a pretty stupid spot if, it's, if you sit there once yeah don't try doing it twice because once they've gone through and smell that you've been around then they're looking in those trees and looking for you they'll find you yeah or like in your case uh, if a whole bunch come through one of them's going to catch you yeah that was the main problem sawyer he got he i think when he shot his it was just the buck came through you know that was the only thing one that came through so mm-hmm. um but yeah, and, I, and that's what another thing I was going to ask you and talk to you about is like, you think I was sitting in the wrong areas? Like, do, do or do you do the bucks usually come through after all the does and little bucks? I mean, is that just kind of the nature of them? Or you know, late season, they're gonna they're gonna be kind of in the same areas a lot. Yeah. Um, down there, being a little warmer, they might they might be bedding solo still. So maybe you get them off to the side, get them coming in, but uh, they're gonna be coming to that food. And it's going to be food to, you know, bed to food travel. And there should be yeah. other people the same travel. It's hard. Um, it's yeah. easy to get on the bucks because they'll do the same thing day after day. I mean, uh, uh, and if you got enough time, if you can sit back and watch that green field and see what comes out, you can say, okay, he came out here and the does came out over there. I could go into this tree and they won't see me, but he, he, I can shoot him, you know, kind of thing but it still ain't easy. The next day he might come out just a little different because sometimes they come into those fields different. Like they'll, they'll swing to the downwind side or, you know, yeah. A lot of times the, the, the older, more mature deer, if the, the field's got any kind of slope to it, will come to the lowest spot in the field when they enter it. Cause yeah. all the thermals will drop down there in the evening. They'll smell everything in the whole field. Cause they think of the field as danger, you know, but, um, uh, I think getting away from the field edge is probably good. I think they're used to looking up. They'll come to the field in daylight, but they're used to there being danger there, so they look around and they're looking for danger. You know what I mean? Where the travel path to there, I think uh, they're probably a little more calm. Yeah. Yeah, that was just running through my head the whole time I was hunting. Like, man, am I in the wrong spots for bucks? But I mean, you're seeing bucks. You're you're yeah, some good yeah. areas. Hmm. And then uh, that one real nice buck I saw, uh, you know, he was with all the does. I mean, he was just in the middle of them kind of feeding on corn, yep. you know, or whatever they were feeding on. Um, you know, uh, I got in a spot over here where I was uh, really in the deer. You know, I found some deer sign like you wouldn't believe. Um, maybe you recall a video of the uh, guy walking underneath me. Yeah. Well, when I came out of there, um, I saw the deer. And, I mean, I had to see – 20 of them maybe more than 20 in a field you know mm-hmm. right next to it wasn't one buck really you know a couple days later i go by there in the evening in glass and saw like 40 deer not one buck <laughs> yeah yeah i know it's tough that that's that's a couple factors in late season it's like a lot less bucks and they can see you a lot better but a lot of people are suggesting uh using speaking of crossbow uh, hunter magazine is to use snow camo in the tree stand uh, yeah I, I have a hard time doing that I look up and see white i mean uh, i don't have any snow camo get that cloud cover behind maybe but um i'd rather blend in with the tree be part of the tree yeah if you have it a little white on you it doesn't hurt but that was one thing where that doe spotted me i wasn't you know she was actually just straight to my right so i couldn't really get you know, all the way against the tree or anything. Um, mm. and I was in a good tree. Like it was a, you know, pretty large diameter tree. There were some forks in it, but 
she just saw me up there. Um, I was kind of kicking myself because I just had a, I had like a green and black flannel on, and I had intentions. I forgot my jacket at the truck, and uh, I just didn't. I forgot it and didn't go back and get it, which okay. I don't think it. I don't think it mattered. Yeah, you get a, you get a buck and a doe tag. You should have killed her. <laughs> I know. I just, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't want to mess with it. I was by myself, and um, but it would have. That's one you know. way to shut her up. <laughs> I don't know if I could have her, man. She was on pins and needles in there, man. Like, um, but as soon as she got. You know, almost to where I could could have shot her. She was, she was gone. And if I had pulled back, she definitely would have saw me sooner, probably. Um, but I'm gonna go do it again. It was fun. I, it was a different kind of challenge. I enjoy. I think I enjoy early season better though. It was about like early season though. It was 60 degrees on my last hunt when I was walking in. That's what my truck said. 60 degrees. Mm. Like dang, I was in a. I wore a t-shirt to the stand, which is not ideal for that time of year. But um, yeah, I used to do really good in Illinois. I should probably stop picking so many hard destinations. <laughs> a couple better easy ones. <laughs> you done the like UP. It. Yeah, you've done the UP thing. Now you gotta. Now you need to start going to. Well, next year is going to be a little different because I'm going to hit I- Iowa and maybe even Kansas. So yeah. It should be a little more into um, the kill states. Right. Right. I'm kind of torn on what I want to do next year. If I want to, do I want to waste, not waste, but do I want to do my Iowa and Kansas in the same year? Or does a guy like go to Iowa next year and then go to Kansas the year after that? Well, it depends. I mean, if you're holding up for something really big in, in Iowa, you might want to just do the Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't think I I'm see- passing uh you, you know 140 or up yeah so. yeah 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 what is that i don't know it just seems like maybe it'd be better to like stagger them a little bit so you're it might be the- it might be maybe we could do uh maybe both of us should do that i mean not that we're gonna be in the same counties but maybe do kansas right. the next year um, right because uh do one good state and, and yeah do some other stuff not bad. I don't, I don't want to waste the Iowa take. It takes so long to get the dang thing. I know. I know. And that's the thing is you can't hunt it again for five years. So, um, Gary, he said that I think that muzzleloader tag is only two years. Yeah. Depending on where you're at, but uh, they give gun tags a lot faster than yeah. they do bow tags. Everybody wants to bow hunt. Nobody wants to gun hunt. Right. That, that muzzleloader hunt looked pretty fun. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to doing that. It'd be fun. Um, I don't know. I don't know um, too much about the laws there, but I know a lot of people have told me that they um, they gun hunt there every year if they uh, group hunt. Yeah, like they go with farmers and stuff, and yeah, uh, and they can uh, group hunt. So if a buck runs out, they can shoot it as long as they're hunting in a party. But they they have to buy a doe tag or something. Right. I think. Yeah, I don't know the I don't know all the laws either, but I think maybe it's you got to be on private land too. Oh really? I think so. I don't know if you can do it on public. You can group hunt wherever. Yeah, I could be wrong. I don't. I just seem like that's what I've heard. I've never really looked into it too much. It just seems like that may be. To me, that kind of seems like cheating the system, anyways. So. Yeah, I think it's. um, 
I think it's like landowner tags or something they're giving you to to use or something like that. No, I think I think if you're if you're part if they allow party hunting, it's like Wisconsin. So so um like if you came up here hunting with me and you filled your buck tag and uh a buck runs by, you can still shoot it if I'm willing to tag your buck for you. Yeah. But I have to be right. with you when you do. Right. Right. And I think that's what they have down there. Yeah, it might be. There's all kinds of weird things but in Illinois. The difference can... is that you'd come up here, you'd have a buck tag, and you shot your buck. Or I think it's kind of like almost cheating if you're going under intending to shoot a buck when you don't have a buck tag. I don't know. I'm not right. saying it is cheating. I'm just saying to me personally, I don't think I'd want to involve myself in that. It seems kind of shady. It's kind of you're pulling too many strings there. <laughs> yeah. anyway. Whether it's legal or not, I don't know if I'd want to be involved in that. Yeah. Um. I don't, yeah, I don't know either. A lot of guys do, though. Yeah, right. All right, you want to get into some uh, Q&As here, Dan? Looks like we got quite a few comments. Sure. All right. Did uh, Elizabeth give you another 10 bucks? Oh, she must have, yeah. I'll have to uh, – <laughs> well, we'll get to her, we'll get to her question eventually. You didn't have to do that, Elizabeth. You could have just asked a question. I think you're, uh, I'm in the hole for you now. You got to start asking more questions. All right. Mike asked, is there a world record typical buck alive today? And where do you think he most likely is? State, part of state, Providence. What do you think? Hmm. I mean, probably, but like, I don't, I don't know where to tell you he is. Cause like, I never told you that I didn't, wouldn't have thought that uh, the Huff Buck would have been down the road from me. You know, I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, mm -hmm. There's probably something living up in Canada somewhere that's just some giant um, that's never seen a human, you know, and probably will never will. I don't know. Uh, but they there might be there all the time on uh, behind fences. Sure. Yeah. What but do you as think? Far, as far as wild deer. Yeah, wild deer. Up on it, but usually somebody's finding the sheds if there is, and pictures yeah. are showing up. Um, and I haven't heard no rumors, but uh, usually you hear about them if there's something going around. Mm -hmm. But I haven't really been paying attention to that stuff anymore, either. Yeah. Uh, I would I, say it's quite possible there's a there's a uh, typical world record run around, and I would say if there is, my bet would be. Um, Southern Wisconsin, um, Western Illinois. Um, those would be my top places, I would say, genetically. For yeah. Typical. Yep. Yeah. I just like the idea that there's one out there, you know? It's like, I kind of like to think there is, even if there isn't, you know? Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool to think about. Um not that I like go after world record deer uh, exclusively, but you know what I mean. It's it's kind of yeah. cool to think there's one in there. Uh, Gary asked if I'm going to trim my beard. I trimmed my beard the other day, believe it or not. Um, so, but no, I'm not going to. I don't think I'm going to cut it off. My grandma really doesn't like it, but my wife likes it, so mm. um, just going to keep it. I think this summer that's whenever you guys that's the only thing that could break me is if i get to doing stuff in the summer it's bugging me uh, uh yeah anyway have you ever had a big big beard dan like this 
Uh, no, they usually annoy me before they get that big. Yeah. I don't think it's gotten that big. It's gotten a little nasty. But usually when it gets that big, it starts getting burdocks and stuff like that. I've had some pretty big mustaches. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, some pretty big mustaches. That's funny. I can grow Come some be- crazy, uh, those U-horn ones. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Does Carol like when you have weird stuff like that, or she just like you clean no, shave, no, shave normal looking? <laughs> she wants it clean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kelly Pegg asks, do you spotlight this time of year to see what bucks made it? He said, I've been trying to find big bucks with uh, no luck. I think that's what that means. Mm, yeah. I've been thinking about spotlighting just to see if there's any around to hunt because I'm still hunting. Right. Um, matter of fact, we got a green field near me that, um, that, uh, uh, has hunting public land woods next to it. And I really want to know if there's something coming into that field. Cause I haven't seen any cars parked there. Um, and it's a good spot, but, uh, as far as lo- knowing if they made it through, I'd probably just wait till summer and shine suits around because you don't know if it's going to even make it you don't get hit yeah. by a car or relocate or whatever so i usually don't start looking until july-ish but I, there's no reason why you can't yeah yeah i mean um good thing about this time of year too is like you can get home you can go out and then get home by bedtime too you know you could do it for a little bit um, I know it's an easier. I've been moving really well in daylight on certain days. Certain days, if you've seen deer out, you know, you know, if you go out and there's no deer running around, just go home. But if you go out and you start seeing deer in a lot of the fields, then it's probably a good evening to go out glassing. And a lot of times you can see them without spotlights. You can just go out right before dark. Um, we're, you know, in the fall, sometimes it's not that easy. Um, but right now they're uh, they're really coming out early because they want to feed a lot more. Right. Yeah, I don't know. This uh, there's so much that can happen next couple months with them too. Like it's your guys's winters, especially like it's just now getting to where it could be real bad. You know, into January, February. That's probably your guys's worst time of the year, isn't it? For harshness, things that could kill deer. You know, um, actually, you have a a larger scoring deer on years like this when we have a mild winter. Yeah, you know. uh, I knew a, um, an outfitter way back in the day, a really good outfitter. He's long dead now, but uh, from uh, Saskatchewan. And uh, I never hunted with him or anything, but whenever we do shows, we always go out to eat when we do the deer shows. You know, um, and uh, that guy tracked um, – I lost my train of thought. Sort of thinking about something else while I was talking. <laughs> Good content here, everybody. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm just kidding with you. We're talking. What was the subject? Uh, spotlight. Uh, the question was about the spotlighting at night. Uh, right now, this time of year. And we got talking about what could happen to deer between now and then. You guys have harsh winters. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so he was, he was tracking, uh, the winters and stuff and, uh, on mild winters, his, his antlers, the antlers of his clients would be 10 to 15% larger 
and uh, on certain years when he had uh, a really mild winter, they shoot world class deer. And uh, he always told me if I wanted to go with them, he wouldn't tell his regular clients that because then they would only come when there's a mild winter and he wouldn't right. have, he wouldn't make money on the other on the bad winters, right? But he right. said it can be night and day if he, they have a really bad winter, they'll have a hard time getting anything over 140. Hmm. And if they have a really mild winter, he said they'll get giants. Yeah. Um, because of the, because of the you know if they got four feet of snow and those deer starve all winter. By the time they start their growing season, they just don't get the antler growth. You know, right? That makes sense, for sure. Okay, the wildlife outdoors ask: Can you explain a little bit about hunting late archery on hill country when food is scarce? Thanks. Yeah, it's hard. You gotta you gotta find a food source. It's actually not as hard as it sounds because if you find a food, you find a deer. Because if this food's scarce. Wherever you got a food source, I mean, they'll go for two, three miles to pull all the deer in. Um, usually it's going to be, um, if you don't have farm, which I'm assuming if you're saying food is scarce, if you don't have farmland, it's going to be where there's been cutting, where trees have been cut. It's generally what it's going to be. Um, if you don't have trees that are cut, it's going to be thick. A high stem count because they're going to be eating the small trees um and uh buds and stuff yep the problem is though is like if you got you know private around i don't know if this is public land i'm assuming it is but you know if you got food somewhere else they're probably gonna they may be there right now too you know correct um yeah um yeah so uh indiana sportsman he asked he said i have a question for dan i have a small spot i asked you guys about before in season um, but where he beds, uh, he can see where I park and walk in. He said, would you cut some trees down? So he can't do that. So I think he's talking um, maybe like, a, like that's to, the only place you can park. I would try to block my, his site, or I would try to go in, you, you know, it depends. Now, um, I've got a spot in Hill country where I've had some really good action with big bucks. And I park right in plain view where the bucks are always bedded. I mean, this huge property, they always bed right above the parking lot mm-hmm. and watch the parking lot. And what I do is I just walk in like I'm going to the back like everybody else does. And then I loop way around. So it takes me a half an hour and I probably walk a half mile to get to hunt these deer that are, you know, um, less than 100 yards from my truck. Because then they're not going to drop down and walk to my truck, right? And I doubt they're walking to this guy's truck. But where are they walking and how can you get to that without them knowing where you're going? If you park in the same spot, they get used to it. They'll get a, a, a you know, accustomed to that. As long as you're not getting out and looking at them up the hill and going halfway up the hill and climbing a tree in front of them. Um, figure out which direction they're going, how they're coming out of that bed. And uh, loop way around where they don't expect you. Yeah. Don't go towards the spot where you're planning on hunting, go in a different direction, come back around to it. Kind of tricky. I think they're cutting down trees. I think they're going to see you through the little trees and, you know, right. Right. Yeah. Those are only going to last so long too. And if you cut them down in the summertime, they may be dead and the leaves gone and kind of wasted your time there. Godspeed. I have, seen, I have seen where it's worked, where they, they plant real high grasses. 
Oh yeah. If you don't, if you don't have an elevated perch for them to watch down on you. Right. Like switchgrass or something. Yeah, switchgrass. Yeah. 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 Um, Godspeed gave us five bucks. Thanks, man. Um, he says, great work, Josh and Dan. The knowledge is priceless. YouTube still, still waiting for Dan to wrestle a buck down for a three second hold. Live once, live the outdoors. <laughs> you mean to do it on film? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> All right. We got to call it. Uh, yeah. I put uh, a link to call in, guys, at the bottom here. Uh, if you guys want to call in, you're more than welcome to. Just uh, follow the directions here. We do have a call in uh, at the bottom of the screen. What's up, guys? What up, Jacob? It's been a long time. It's, yeah, uh, how's it going? Pretty good. I just started my job, um, and that's been incredibly busy. Is that, why your hair, is that why your hair looks so nice right now? <laughs> yeah, that's why I got the collared shirt on okay. and everything. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm like getting up at 4.30 every day. I get off work at 5, and by the time I'm ready for the next day, it's 8 p.m. So yeah. I haven't really been able to hop on but today. Um, which, Dan, I have a funny story to tell you because one of uh, my boss used to be an engineer for the company that first manufactured Lone Wolf Stands, and he has some interesting stories about some of the people that were involved in that. So uh, I'll have to tell you that at the workshop or something. Um, it goes along with a lot of what you said. Um, right. But a lot of behind the scenes crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially when they started to outsource to China. Um, I won't talk more about that, though. Um, so I kind of had a question. Um, I had this buck that I was really after that. I I think it showed both you guys videos of him working a scrape in the early season with velvet. And um, I kind of made it my mission to get after this deer. And I was all over them all season. I had a lot of close calls with them. And I had over 216 pictures of just this buck um, and a bunch of different encounters. And I kind of want to log these encounters uh, based on wind direction, location, all that kind of stuff. Um, but once I've gathered all this information and everything, how would you guys kind of go about targeting it? Would you mark out locations on a map and then go off historical knowledge to hit them at certain points? Or would you try to centralize that pattern and pick like the middle of the hub of activity what's kind of your approach when you have a bunch of different data points across probably a mile and a half wide range so what do you have marked like the bedding areas and yeah i have i have multiple pictures of him bedded in different areas um and i have a lot of daylight pictures but my daylight inventory of this deer even in the same times of the year, he has, like, if you put a dot in the middle, you could draw a mile and a half circle and that mile and a half would touch the edges of his range. Mm -hmm. So he, he moved a lot, which is kind of odd for what we normally see for like mature bucks in that area. Um, so if I had that kind of data, I'd be, I'd be trying to uh, develop a pattern based on wind on, on which where he's traveling. Um, yeah. And I would do the best I could because I know it gets spotty and it gets weird. It's usually not cut and dry. Like he does the same thing every day, but, but there will be subtle patterns and I try to hit on that and I would move in, you know, close to the bedding and I wouldn't hit the same spot too many times in a row. I just keep moving around and catching them off guard. And, uh, eventually you'll cross paths with them if you have enough time. Yeah. How big of like a date span do you have on him? Like, is there a, um, I have pictures of him from 
August 8th to, oh, even earlier than that. Um, but for certain, August 8th to December 14th, mm. I actually had him underneath my camera when I went to go pick it up on December mm. 14th. I kicked him up and I was like, oh my God, it was that deer. I didn't know if he had lived or not. Um, but it was kind of like a, one more slap on the ass for him for, for next yeah. year. <laughs> Those date patterns are good too because um, a lot of times um, at certain times of year, they will use the same bedding areas. You know, so they'll shift, like they'll use an area for like a couple of weeks and then they'll shift to a different area. And they'll shift, you know what I mean? So, those, yeah. so what you yeah, had in one, August might not match what you have in November or match what you have in December, right? Um, right. So you got to yeah. kind of look at that when you're trying to develop your patterns. Yeah. The one pattern that he kind of eventually got on was like a three-day rotation on one bedding area. Um, and I noticed that he, that particular finger off of this like complex ridge system had got a lot of like doe presence and does going in and out of heat in that area. And so part of the reason I left it like completely alone is I knew I was familiar with the doe group that was on there. And it was kind of weird because there were like five to six does that routinely bet on this very, very large finger. And every three days, it seemed like bucks were going crazy on that, but he would make his rounds in bed in a particular spot overlooking a hub scrape and then go down to that hub scrape in the afternoon. It was probably the only pattern I ever got him on is every three days he showed up. And then I was going to hunt him cause I tagged out in October 27th. And so I got him doing this in November over and over and then um, never two days in a row, but the day he was going to show up was opening day of gun season. And uh, I think I made just a little bit too much noise for him uh, being there, but uh, the buck he, beat the hell out of this here showed up that day and I passed on him uh, opening day of gun, but never got mm -hmm. a crack. So. Like Josh, you I need you to come up. I need you to come out and find the sheds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you could. Yeah, I'd like to try. Um, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you got a lot of information on that deer though. Hopefully mm -hmm. you can connect the dots on him next year. So yeah, I was talking about Eric possibly getting out there with me and doing a scouting thing. And I know Gary would love to as well, because he wants to go back out to that cool. same property this next year. So yep. Might be able sure, to get on. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Uh, all right, man. Talk to you Thanks. later. I'll probably, are you going to come to the workshops in February? Yeah, I should be at all of them. If I can, I was thinking about possibly trying to do a little venison recipe. So Josh, maybe you can add another one to your amazing repertoire. That I keep <laughs> all, <doing> right. <laughs> all right, man. I'll, uh, it's a bet then. We'll see ya. Sweet. Bye. See ya. All right. I am the Jacob. Question. Well, she's. I think she's going to call in here in a second. But oh, cool. I was going to say. I was going to say something nice about Jacob, Dan. I envy his like uh, ability to retain all that information. Like, I just can't do that, man. I, I'm horrible with that kind of stuff. Like, remember. I could do it when I was your age. I can't no more. Yeah, well, I'm not. You see yeah. that? I I I can't think of two things at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's my problem. Is I got too much. Other you know what happens is, is I'll be talking to you about something, and I'll look I'll look in the screen, and I'll see a cheeseburger on my uh, jacket, and I like. Oh yeah, like, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> what was I talking about? Homer Simpson over here. Uh, <laughs> all right, we have uh, another caller. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey. hey, can you hear me? Yeah, you sound yeah. good. Cool. Uh, so my question is, what shows are you guys going to be at for you know promoting Beast Gear? 
Oh, good question. Um, See how good our be, memory is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in Ohio, um, and we'll be in Wisconsin in the Dells. Um, and we're also going to be doing seminars at those shows. Okay. I know you, ha you have seminars here coming up in February. I'm not going to be able to do those. Uh, I, as the you workshop. see, I drive, a, I drive a truck for a living. So most of the oh, time nice. I'm watching you guys, when I'm watching you guys, I'm actually driving down the road, which don't tell anybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a podcast. I'm just listening. Honest. Right. right. So. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> don't say nothing. <laughs> But, um, are we doing anything else, Dan? Are we doing any like of those, uh, oh, what are those mobile hunting things that we get invited to? For oh, yeah, we're doing that one. Where is that? Uh, Michigan, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're doing a, um, I believe we're going to be at the Mobile Hunters Expo or whatever that is yeah. in Michigan. Yep. Um, okay. Where are you at most of the time, Elizabeth? Uh, I actually call Manitowoc home up in Wisconsin. Um, oh. That's, technically, it's just a place I visit. I live here in my truck, yeah. <laughs> so I'm all over the country. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Dan, I I actually was waving at you and blew the horn at you when you were up in Michigan a couple of weeks. Uh, well, about a couple <laughs> months ago now. I actually I was laughing. I was like, you know, you're so aware in the woods, but you're completely oblivious when you're driving. Oh yeah, right? <laughs> you you have no idea how oblivious he is when he drives. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. You know, it's <laughs> a story. We were at we were at Fort McCoy uh, in the winter time. <laughs> I know what you're gonna tell us. Uh, and like in the mornings, it was it was like there was snow everywhere. It was like negative twenty degrees. And we were hunting in the mornings, and the and we'd go around drive around the roads at in Fort McCoy. You really can't glass. You could just because it's it's just woods everywhere. So you mm -hmm. just drive around the roads and hope one would r run in front of you or something, or you see one right off the side of the the road and. I'm sitting there and Dan's driving. I'm kind of the lookout guy, you know, or I thought I was. And uh, we're just driving around the, down the road. And all of a sudden she's like, boom, boom, boom. And you drove Dan off the road. Had, well, yeah, he did, but it was like a turn <laughs> and Dan didn't turn. He just went, like went through the ditch and up into a flat area. And I was I don't looking know, for deer. It was like the only place on Fort McCoy <laughs> that there wasn't trees, you know, which was thank God. But like, yeah, we were driving off into the, into the, grass or whatever it was in the field and then and the problem was is like we had to go through a ditch to get back on the road and there was like feet of you know a foot of snow and so dan's mm -hmm. like i don't know what to do so he's just driving well, along he's just I'll driving along the uh the i'll tell you I'm, I'm half surprised i'm half surprised i didn't do that last night you know driving through the storm that we just had <laughs> yeah. i mean that, i actually stopped up in osseo last night because it was like the snow was so blinding i, I couldn't even tell if the truck was moving or not you know yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but if we would have stopped, I think we would have got stuck. But they just kept her to the floor, and he eventually, I'm just like, just hit it, and he he went back through the ditch and hopped back on the road. But uh, we went airborne her a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scared, all right, guys. It scared me. So thanks, Elizabeth. Got, hey, we, we really jump, appreciate so. all, all your support. All right, you guys yeah, are great. You're the best. See ya. Bye. Thanks. Um. Yeah. That's the, that's the closest I've uh, came to uh, wrecking without wrecking, I guess. <laughs> that's the first time we finally got to talk to Elizabeth. She's on all the time. Yeah. Yeah, she probably can't call in much when she's driving. It looked like maybe she was pulled over or something. Um, 
seems like a really good person. So, uh, Mike asking our question here, pretty good question. What percentage of the bucks in your area get killed every year, including cars, hunters, natural, other predators, et cetera? That's a good question. I don't know. So I think it's probably less by you, but by me, I think, uh, I think more, but, but here's the thing. I think year and a half old bucks, probably like 70%. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and you get two and a half and it's probably like, uh, you, you, you know, 30, 40%. And you get over two and a half and that number starts going down way down. And when you get, when you get into the mature bucks, when they get to be like five, six by me, Man, they don't die too often. Yeah. That's why I was kind of bummed at uh, my one real big one this year got shot because mm-hmm. some of those deer will, will end up dying of a car kill or something because they they just they get really hard to kill yep. when they get some age on them. Yep. I was going to echo the exact same thing. I was going to I was going to say like um, the ones that survive just survive every year. It's like the ones you, you you the big ones. It's like, they just figure out, a, they figured out a way to become big, you know? Um, I don't know what the, I'd have to look at like the percentage. If there's a way you can look up like by state, you, you know, the, the estimated herd number versus the total harvest, but then you got other factors too. Like you were saying, natural causes, they can't really, I don't know. They probably have a way of predicting it, but that's probably not real accurate. Yeah. Um, Dan, this is something you don't have to, if it's too much information, you don't have to talk about it. But he, Mr. Mr. Diaz said, uh, anyone else here that THP and Randy Newberg um, were being paid by state game agencies to promote public hunting? Um, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, yeah. But uh, that's not for me to say. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't even know. But I, I can yeah. say that uh, I wouldn't doubt it. If, the, if they're getting paid to do that or, or um, being paid to hunt a state or something, uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. I know uh, that probably offends some people, but uh, that's no different than buying an ad or something like that. They want to promote something. There's other states that kind of don't want you to come around. You know, Some places do want uh, well-known hunters to go there. Some places don't. I know um, like uh, – when I went to PA, I mean, they were really friendly. They're really happy to have us there, but we had to pay a huge amount to hunt there. You had to buy a license in order to film your hunts. You could, there's a lot of states that charge you. Like, like if I want to go film there and, and put a video up for you guys to enjoy, yeah. um, they'll charge me a, a filming fee. Mm-hmm. Um, and some states won't even let you film. Now, um, Missouri was one of those. They wouldn't let me film on Missouri public land, you couldn't film your hunts. And, uh, I know somebody from the state game agency was trying to get me to go down there and hunt. And I told him, I can't film there. And he says, that doesn't sound right. He goes, let me look it up. And he got back to me and, and he said he could get it okay, but I never went down there, but, uh, it sounded like they're going to try and change that law and change that law because guys like me won't go there because it wouldn't allow you to film. I mean, I don't know if they'd actually go through the whole thing of pressing charges against you but if it's against the law it's against the law yeah so i mean some places want you some places don't some places will pay you to um promote the hunting there i don't see anything wrong with that and i'm sure there's some people that uh especially like residents that'll get mad because they're promoting people to come there but it actually helps the hunting more hunters that are attracted to an area the more money they got to manage the area 
the more money they got to buy public property, things like that. Right. So they're investing in the area. Um, but uh, I don't know if they're getting paid or they're not, or if they'd right. accept it, they wouldn't. I, that's not my business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they may, you know, I could see like paying someone like that to run an ad for you, like do a commercial for you or something about come hunt. Because you see those like pure Michigan, you know, or I mean, that's a bad example, but you like you see advertisements for states sometimes, like especially Western states. I'll see advertisements for like their public land or come enjoy our whatever park or whatever. And that's, I could see them doing that. But uh, it's a it's a very yeah. interesting. Go ahead. I would. Oh, you, know, oh, you said, if, yeah. If they yeah. offered to, to to pay me to go hunt some state like Virginia or something, I'd take the money. I mean, why not? Um, and go hunt it, or, uh, I probably wouldn't say nothing about it because I think it just caused turmoil. Um, yeah. but as of now, I, nobody's ever offered me money to come hunt no. their state. They asked me to, I've, I've had states reach out and ask me if I'd like to come out there and hunt like somebody from the agency or whatever, but yeah, I've never had them offer me money. Yeah. There's a very interesting dynamic, uh, going on in the hunting world right now with uh, Steve Ranella and his brother, Matt Ranella. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of this, Dan, but um, Matt started a, a Instagram page called Hunt Quietly. And mm -hmm. man, he is like very against uh, companies like his brothers, like Meat Eater um, and, um, you know, Hunting Public. He's, he's mentioned their name before, uh, kind of promoting all this these hunting opportunities for people. And he's essentially saying, you know, it's, it's running hunting, uh, for him. Uh, and it's just interesting, I guess, to think about like those two people perspectives. I got a lot of hate and I'm sure you remember this about going to Fort McCoy. Yep. Cause we mentioned Fort McCoy. And what was funny is like, you named my spot, you know? And it's like, yeah, I often say I hunt in southeastern Wisconsin. There's as much public land in three counties where I hunt in southeastern Wisconsin as there is in Fort McCoy. It's huge. It's the size of three counties worth of public land. It's not the yeah. size of three counties, but when you take all the public land out of three counties, it is. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, um, people get up in the up in the air about things, but I think anytime you're promoting hunting, you're getting people involved in hunting. You're making people like hunting. I mean, I believe that uh, what me and you are doing, and it's actually my goal, so I hope what we're doing is getting more people involved in hunting, getting more people. And if you make people better at public land hunting, if you make it so that they can actually kill stuff, they'll stay in hunting longer, and they'll get their kids into it. And I think people who hunt are better people. Yeah. Um, I, I really believe that. And I think it uh, gets you closer to God. It gets you closer to nature. It just makes you a better person all around. And I don't think there's anything wrong with promoting hunting or promoting, you know. I think, too, um, all these guys that are getting into filming and stuff, it might be annoying a little bit if you're trying to, you know, hunt or whatever. But all those people are doing that because it's fun. It's getting them into hunting. It's keeping them out of drugs. It's keeping them out of uh, um, bars and yeah. bars. It's keeping them, you know from womanizing you know a guy's got to have something to do um it's in our nature um and i know with me when i was young drugs were rampant everybody was smoking drugs or doing drugs and cocaine was coming up and stuff and it was like 
all the kids when I was in school in the eighties were doing that. It was when heavy metal came around is when that was really big and it was just a real rough crowd. And what saved me and kept me out of all that stuff is I just disappeared in the woods and went hunting. And I, I truly believe that's what kept me from, you know, um, from falling for that stuff because, you know, young people are vulnerable to that kind of stuff. You know, hunting yeah. is a pure thing. And I think us promoting it is great. I think Steve Renella promoting it is great. And yeah. uh, I think there's some people that just think about themselves and it's like, ah, you know, now my hunting's crowded. So what? It's crowded for everybody else too. Step, rise above and show how you can do it in that crowded woods amongst everybody else or go buy your own farm. Yeah. It's actually, uh, it's kind of sad. Like those, cause I, I remember those two like hunting together on the sh shows. And I always enjoyed seeing like that brother thing that they had, that they're really, uh, you know, it was just very, that are very, make very good episodes and it was neat, but I don't think that's going to yeah, happen. You anymore. know, I, you know, I can't speak for Steve Renala, but you, you know, as you, grow as a person and, and you're probably going to see this too and you start having success you start seeing people around you that you really like that you you look up to and stuff all of a sudden having a chip on their shoulder towards you yeah you know um kind of like they're jealous of uh, your success you know and it's sad mm -hmm. because you know you like the people and stuff and then you kind of got to separate from them you know yeah it's just um, part of it yeah do you th let me ask you this kind of a hard question, but like, you think, let's say from the beginning of time that you were not, it was not legal to film or create hunting content. Thing just had to go naturally. You think hunting would be better now than it, uh, than it, uh, is because of all the media. Like you think we'd have better hunting and more hunters. If we didn't film it, mm. if it was illegal, like if this never, ever happened, like if, if, um, you know, Barry Wenzel and Gene Wenzel never created those videos because it was it was illegal and the juries never started in the eighties and all that stuff just never never happened. Do you think hunting would be better right now than it is now? No, I don't. Mm -mm. I think it'd be worse. Yeah. I wonder if we'd even have hunting if the mm -hmm. anti hunters wouldn't have beat us by now. Yeah, I think that um, the promotion is really you know you know a big part of it. I mean. Uh, I remember just how exciting it was to get a, a an outdoor life magazine when I was a kid, you know. Yeah. And look through through the one deer hunting article because that's all we yeah. had. You know? Yeah. Um. Or when uh, um when I was a kid, uh, hunting TV and even the very first videos they had out, they wouldn't show the kill shots. They'd black mm -hmm. the screen out. And uh, then along came the Fitzgeralds and. Uh, a few other of them, you know, like um, Fitzgerald's, Bob Folkrod, a bunch of those guys yeah. came along, yeah. and Wenzel's, yeah. and they started putting out videos and they showed kills. And I remember for me, one of them, some of the early Fitzgerald videos, like uh, passing through where they showed the arrows going through the deer in slow motion. Mm -hmm. Everybody was like, oh my God, I can't believe that. Because we'd never seen anything like that. Right. You know, and, and uh, it was crazy. And that really did um, get people involved in hunting. And it, it made your friends would watch that. and They'd want to get involved. And, you know, what do I got to do? How do I get a bow? How do I set it up? That kind of stuff, you know. And um, whether you want to believe it or not, um, what we're doing is bringing people into hunting. Some people like that. Some people don't. I like it. 
I think the more people get in hunting, the more we bring this country together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those are all good points. I mean, I think about, I honestly think about that a lot, like, uh, just hunting in general in the hunting community. It's like, I wonder how close we are from like one bad thing happening to be all being gone. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, so the more people that are involved, the, the better, um, more good the people. more, the more, yeah, I was getting the more quality people, the better. All right. Um, all right. Bobo 44 done milking. <laughs> he asked, what do you guys do for a living? You do this. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do this. I have, I have, so I have like three different businesses. I have this show. Um, I have a, like a, um, me and my wife kind of do some reselling stuff on eBay. And then I also consult for the, um, agriculture industry. Uh, still, I still you work quit for your full-time job though, to jump into this. And I think, yes, yeah, exactly. You, you really, uh, put everything on the line. I think that's, uh, admirable. Mm -hmm. Yep. So this is what I work on mainly, but I do have some other forms of income coming in that I work on as well. <laughs> Me, I do a little of everything. Yep. <laughs> so um, obviously we got the tree stand company, right? I've got hunting beast, which is a separate company from the tree stand company. I have, uh, uh, I work as a machinist. Um, and I've got some other stuff in the works too. So, um, sleep is overrated, but, uh, I do have a, my main job is a machining job. I work as a machinist. Um, I keep saying I'm going to retire and leave and just go hunting all the time. Like, like Josh here. But I don't know. I never do. I, I like the insurance. Um, Carol's got Lyme's disease. She's got uh, all kinds of problems and she's at the doctor all the time. So my, me buying uh, insurance on my own would be pretty expensive um, because of those problems. But uh, so I stay there um, and I like machining. It's, a, it's an okay job. They like me. So. Yep. That's a miracle. Right, right. <laughs> I do. Uh, I was I was hired to um, run the R and D department. So um, for a long time, I had a really great job there, which I still got that job, but the R and D kind of went away, and I do a lot more widgets now. But I, I used to um, just design new products, so um, work with engineering groups to design mechanical metal products, um, build machines to do certain tasks and stuff, and that was always fun. Use your mind a lot. I still do a little of that, build fixturing things for, you know, turning motors and stuff like that. And, yeah. You know. All kinds of fun stuff. Okay. Let's see. Let's answer. We'll answer a few more questions and we'll get out of here, guys. Someone asked, uh, Dan and Josh, will either of you be changing broadheads or arrow setups next year? Mm. You, you, okay. I'm here's something, setups. <laughs> yeah. Here's, but, uh, here's something about me is like, don't put too much stock into what I'm doing. Cause I like to tinker with that kind of stuff. So I probably will. I'll probably mess around with some stuff. I messed around with stuff for the last hunt. I shot like a, um, I shot a different arrow, different, uh, same broadhead, but I also shot a different broadhead in the middle of the year. I've killed my deer with two different types of broadheads. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm always trying to improve and just see what I like and not like. And cause, yeah, cause I'm going to try and play with some other arrows, but, uh, my, my thing is I don't, once I get something working, I don't want to change it where you are right. always the crap. 
yeah i uh i i don't ever change it like drastically but it's always just something different i don't know just mess around with it if i don't feel confident though i always go back to you know whatever i've been uh but had success with in the in the past um Lewis, he asked, do you have a link for the workshop dates and times, et cetera? Josh going to be there too. Um, yes, I will be there on the 18th and 19th. And then, I think the 18th is getting pretty full, but there's there's room in the 19th. Yeah. Um, if you want to go, um, email me and I'll send you the details. So if you want to put my... Yeah, I'll copy it over. I had it in the last show. I'll put it in this one too. Um, so there is some spots left yet. There's some spots. Um, I could probably fit a few people into the, um, first Saturday, uh, which is what the fifth, I think. Yeah. But I don't have much room there at all. Um, the second Saturday, I might have one spot or two and probably not even after I check my email, they're probably full. Um, but the Sundays both have room. Yeah. Um, you're going to be, uh, Giving away a spot, aren't you? Oh, yeah. We forgot about that. <laughs> you want to do it in the next show? Yeah, we'll do it in the next show. I'll give away a spot. Yeah. Well, that's a good teaser. Um, yeah. um, you can do two things. So I'll let you either um, give away um, two spots or you can give one guy and a friend a spot. I think I like the idea of one guy and a friend. Yeah. Because... Yeah. People don't like traveling. Yeah, so it's, right. I'm cool with that. I think we should do that. So um, um, do it for one of the Sundays. I'll figure out something to where, because uh, I want to have people like that. I don't want someone to win if that's like, can't come, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe well, yeah, maybe we ask people to. If they, they, they want to enter, comment or something. Yeah, I'll pick a want, comment. If you want. Let's just comment. do that. Let's do that. I'll make a clip. I'm going to pause my speaking for a second so I can have a transition in the clip. If you want to win a workshop from this show, just leave a comment down below saying that you want to come and I'll pick one. Okay, you're gonna, no, it's going to be a Sunday. It's going to be a Sunday. You want to which we'll day? To, which Sunday? You can do either one, but it, if you if you want to want to see Josh, it would have to be the uh, second Sunday, right? Yeah, I won't be there. It'll be the nineteenth. Yeah. Um, it's and then the February fifth is the other Sunday. I won't be there the fifth, but my wife's birthday the fourth. I, I won't be able to make it that weekend. But there you go. You can just leave a comment. A trip to the to workshop. I know we. T- <laughs> you pitched that idea earlier. <laughs> what could be better? Uh, only one or two other things, I think. Um, Urban Miller, he gave us five dollars in a super sticker. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, um. Okay, let's at, we're gonna answer we're answer one more question. There's a bunch of questions tonight. Thanks everybody. Chris Brown asks if you're hunting a thermal hub in the evening, would you wait for a strong wind that is blowing parallel to it? Hmm. I usually Dan, try to get over the top from it and away from it. Or I yeah. get uh um usually there's one valley that goes out of it, right? It's not like a hole. There's right. one way that goes out. If you can get the wind to blow down that one way, coming from that way, 
or if you're coming out a different way, I get, I'll go to just beyond where the wind's pulling down into that valley. I get, I don't quite get into there. Yep. Um, the problem with, with, uh, the hubs, I'm going to have, uh, his name is, uh, Paul, but he went by a ghost hunter on the forum back in the day. He had some really good tips on hunting in hubs. I want to get him on and talk about a little bit sometime. Um, but yeah, I would echo what, what Dan kind of said too, but you just got to look at the wind basically, and you got to figure it out. But, uh, yeah. a lot of times, um, and those of you guys that have watched my hill bedding video of seeing mm-hmm. like that, that clip where, uh, I just got to go down there cause there's a good buck in there. I know I'm going to get a chance at him and the wind is almost right. It, you know, it'll swirl every time on him, but the wind is right. And I go down there and a big 10 pointer comes in and the wind swirls and he busts out of there. And I start. Yeah. So tough, man. I start whining about how I know better than to come down here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, I do, but you, you get yeah. tempted into it because you see all that sign on there and stuff. But the really, the best thing you can do, you know, is wait till that deer comes to a vulnerable point and you have to figure mm-hmm. out what the vulnerable points are. And it's going to be based yeah. on the winds and the thermals and you have to look at the terrain and it's different on every property. You just have to understand yep. wind and thermals in order to beat them. Um, and once you understand it, you'll know whether you can or you can't or what you can get away with, you know, and you just have to live by that and not try to push the limits. Yep. And that's the thing is like these hubs, like there's not one that's exactly like another one, you know, it's, there or maybe one that's, you know, pretty um, east and west where there's, you know, not very many points on it and this and that. And maybe the wind does blow a little more consistent in that one than it does with one that has all these weird points coming in. And I mean, it's, it's a hard question to answer for people. Do you, um, do you watch that uh, video where I shot that um, big eight pointer in, in Iowa? Where yeah. uh, what I figured out is if you, you went up that tree 20 feet, that wind would suck right into the hole and swirl around mm-hmm. and you could see it with the, with the milkweed and stuff. And what I did is I went way up this tree and got above all the other trees and my wind would blow right over the top of everything. And then that yep. deer came downwind and didn't even smell me in the hole, you know? Mm-hmm. So I mean, you just have to use your brain and figure something out. You know, you have to find some way. And, you know, um, I guess the guys that are always, you know, bothered by how do I do this? And they just, they get their mind working are the ones that end up the most successful because they yep. they keep trying. Yep. Ghost Hunter had some pretty unique things to say about it. I I, I want to get him on here and talk about it, so it'll be interesting. Okay, one more. We got to get off here then. Does Dan still have the prototype stand? Your your beast stand. That one you used to – you remember that one you used to carry around with you? had all the antlers, like yeah. the feet, mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, I believe, uh, um, I think Mario's got those. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Didn't Rick I know, use I got, one? I got one of the platforms laying around here somewhere. One of the, I think the original platform's laying around in my garage somewhere or something. Didn't Rick, uh, didn't Rick hunt with one or something for a while? Wasn't he hunting out of one yeah. of them? Or I don't know. Can't remember. Be cool, though, to display that somewhere. Yeah, Mario wanted to hang it on the wall someday or something. I don't know if you ever did. Uh-huh. I uh, I lied. We're going to answer one more because uh, Corey gave us a donation. Thank you, Corey. Okay. He says um, he's trying to get more mobile 
had a climber stand this year, uh, was big and loud, thinking about a hang on, um, but intrigued by saddle. Uh, not sure what you would, what would work best for me. Any advice on moving forward with the decision? Yeah, I think you know my answer, but you'd be better <laughs> on the saddle part of it. But for me, I think a stand is way better than a saddle. I think you're more versatile. Um, if I was going to, if, if you really like saddles, I'd have both. Um, but I think uh, a mobile stand, you can get into just about any tree and you can blend in with the tree. Um, where a saddle, I mean, there's some spots that are probably better suited for a saddle, but you could still use the stand. Um, I think a, a stand is a more well-rounded way to go as long as it's, it's real light. I mean, if you can't afford a real light one, then maybe a saddle would be better if the saddle's less expensive. Expense might have something to do with it, but, uh, as far yeah. as. As far as mobility, if you can get a really lightweight, small stand, I think that works better. Yeah, I would agree with you. I don't, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with if you said to try them out. Like if you like it, yeah. if you like a saddle, what, you know, that's, that's cool too. It I means, you know, I found people that, uh, you, you know, agree with me, but still use a saddle just because they feel safer being strapped in the way a saddle yeah. straps them in. And I get that. I mean, uh, if, yeah. if that if you feel safe, you get, if you don't feel safe, you ain't gonna be able to kill anything. Right. But, uh, I just think that for blending into the woods and for not getting busted and for the simplicity of it, I think uh, a stand and sticks is the way to go. Yep. Something else with a a, a saddle is I I have an issue with moving a lot in it. Um, uh, you know, maybe I if maybe if I used one more, it, it wouldn't be a, an issue. But that's just something that I've noticed. I would if um, I don't essentially, I don't use one, uh, much anymore. Um, but if, if the hunting beast ever comes out with a platform, I'd probably use one a little bit more in the hill countries and hill country and stuff. But, um, I don't, I, you could also just carry your stand in there and be just fine too. You know, uh, that's, that's why I like it. I like having a stand cause it, you can almost put it in anything, you know, that you could put a saddle in all, as well. Um, all right. One more question. Sorry. We got another donation from Elizabeth again. Elizabeth, you can just stop donating. We'll keep answering your questions, but we appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, we may not be able to answer this one completely because I'm not real up to speed on all what's going on, but what's your thoughts about the Bomars getting caught poaching? Now, I, I saw a little bit of it. Um, I don't know exactly what they did from what I read. Um, yeah. Some of it seemed like they were just hunting over bait or something like that, and it was illegal to be over bait. But it sounded like they they were shooting animals without tags and uh, transporting them home, or and an outfitter was involved in it. Uh, if that's true, um, they got what they deserved to some degree. Um, it probably isn't popular, but I, I think that it's a little out of hand how high the, the fines get. I think the embarrassment is the, the worst part of it. But yeah, when you sure. start talking like, uh, I don't know, what was it, like 750,000 fines? I mean, it was just well, like insanity. That wasn't, I don't think that was the Bomars. I think that was the outfitter they were hunting on. Because I think they had, the outfitter had been doing it for years and oh. had multiple occasions. They had their fines, oh, their fines were 75,000. But still, that's I, yeah, something like that. Um, I, I do believe that those people are, are independently wealthy, so. But uh, yeah, you know, the, the Bomars, um, yeah. But sometimes they, um, 
they take people and they give them fines based on the size of the deer, like the antlers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's right. I mean, um, if you want to charge somebody $150,000 for shooting a, a trophy deer, then a doe should be worth that too. Poaching's poaching. Mm -hmm. You kill something out of season, you kill something out of season. You know, um, I don't think there's anybody in this country that is poaching for meat anymore. Nobody, nobody needs it. I mean, you could be dead poor and they'll just hand you free stuff who we got in office and stuff. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is, you know? So I don't know. That's just my opinion. Here's my problem with the whole Walmart thing. It's like, I've, uh, I've read numerous articles now and like none of them are the same. It doesn't seem like, I'm just like, what's Correct. Actually, that's what I mean. I'm kind of confused. What the heck? And then Josh posted something. Someone sent me a post from that Josh put on his Instagram or something saying like such a relief. This is over. Now we are clear of the charges, blah, 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 something else, you know, whatever he, they, they, they got charged for like neglect or something like they should have known better kind of thing. Um, hmm. And then I, and, but then all of a sudden you see all these articles, which you got to look at the, you also need to look at the source of the articles. Like if the New York times or some, some place by like that is writing a story about it, they, uh, you know, they make it, they, the titling and stuff is horrible. It's like, um, I don't, I'm not making excuses for Josh and Sarah Bomar either. It's just like, I've just dug into it and nothing is adding up to me at the moment. That's why I don't really have an opinion because I'm like, I don't actually know what happened. Um, but like Dan said, if they did, uh, did something wrong and got in trouble for it, then the justice yeah. system worked, you know, <laughs> it's like, I don't, what do you want to say? Um, you know, it used to, it used to be people shamed you if you got into, um, you know, if you got, uh, big violations and nowadays it seems to have gone away. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, look at the Diaquistos. I mean, they got a record like you wouldn't believe and people just keep buying their stuff and praising them. I mean, so the, uh, that stuff just, it's yeah. not the way it used to be. It used to be if somebody made a mistake like that, they really got hit. I mean, there was a, who's that cowboy hunter that used to be uh, out of Illinois? I can't think of his name. Um, he used to hunt with sure. Fitzgerald. But uh, they caught him uh, buying pen deer and he'd have people chase him past his tree stand and he, he would shoot him with a bow. I mean, he couldn't sell anything after that. I mean, after yeah. he did that, he couldn't be in a video or nothing. Not, nobody would watch him. They would shame him. I remember he went to a show the year after he had gotten busted for that. And the people just about chased him out of the show. But mm. nowadays, it seems like people just don't even care no more. Yeah. Anyway, I thought about making that our news article. It's very popular now, but I was like, I just, there's not, the news is too messed up with it. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, it's just, it's just and I didn't like, want to bring attention to it either. It's just, kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. A, lo a lot of the articles were written by like probably really left uh, liberal type magazines too that were, you know, they're You're trying to paint a bad too, picture. They're repeating something somebody else said and if, if what they said was... Uh was not true or not right i mean you could get sued or something too so yeah i don't know that yeah i don't into yeah. that um but i don't know no no i don't know enough about it everything's confusing to me so we i don't really have an opinion on it no anyway all right let's get off here now we don't have any more donations so um <laughs> we can stop answering questions everybody you guys have a good night um we'll see you in a uh in I don't know, probably next week sometime. So, not everybody in the yep. little bit.
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See you, Elizabeth. Everybody else needs to step their game up. No I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> see. <ya. laughs> Bye, everybody.